Hello again, welcome back. Uh, for those of you who had, uh, didn't have an opportunity to listen to our previous episode, episode uh, number 34, um, be worthwhile probably going back and listening to that before you jump in here, although you know, I'm sure you'll gain some value, uh, simply because we've got a guest with us um, from Melbourne. Sounds really important when I say it's from Melbourne. If I said he was an international guest, in fact I probably can say he's an international guest. <laughs> So we've got Craig Kirkby with us and uh, we, we last time spoke a little bit about his story and, and some of the pivotal moments for him. And, and one thing that I do want to jump back to, Craig, is um, what you touched on uh, in, in and around the age of 22, 23, where you're sitting with a bunch of other youth leaders in a staff team of 300. I can't quite believe that. Uh, not that I'm doubting you. Um, but, you know, in a staff team of 300, you're in the youth department with a bunch of other youth pastors and you recognise something and did something, did anybody else do that? And if, if not, then, you know, what, what, what did you perceive or hear or see that, that caused you to think differently? Uh, Craig, it, it was one of the questions that I probably asked myself a lot, a lot because at that stage um, I was, to be really honest, just really full of myself, um, had, was like all those young men, they trying to make a name for myself in Christian circles where bigger is better. Um, where the senior pastor preaches to 20,000 over four services every Sunday. And so we're all aspiring to be that. And the first message that I ever preached to was to 1,000 people. And when you start there, you think it's just going to get bigger. Right, okay. So, yeah. so there, was, there was all we talked about. Um, and so such a driven, driven um, church environment. So why on earth would I want to put the brakes on that? I, you know, I, at the time I was just questioning things, I don't know where those questions were coming from, saying, um, why aren't there spiritual fathers in our midst, or I didn't call it that, or just experienced people, big brothers, people down the track, yeah. why don't we listen to them, why don't we invite, Why do we see them as the enemy, why are we... You must see a homogenous group, like a, like a conventional classroom, oh, 20 we, we were all like firecrackers, going off like a mayor, yeah, so yeah. there were, like I said, uh, a youth pastor, and then two assistant pastors, me and my best friend Paul, um, and then probably a in terms of the youth setting, about another 10 to 15, um, some lay, some full-time, some volunteers leading this youth thing yeah. um, within the context of the bigger church. So so I, I don't know why I was questioning those things at the time. Um, obviously told to shut up when I did voice it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, silly you, what are you thinking about? Yeah. So, um, and, and why would I then see Ron Robinson, who in... From my perspective, there was a, was a failure in terms of ministry. A small community that valued things like family and marriage, and <laughs> I never heard a I never heard a message on marriage from the pulpit really? ever. Um, there were books you could get from a bookshop, of course. Um, whereas Ron spoke about family and marriage almost every second week, and people were pulling their hair out because there's so much talk on marriage and family. Yeah, uh, you know. So um, why would I see that value? I'm not even married. I'm single. Why would I value that? Why would I give up a career track? Mm. Um, Especially and, at that age. You yes, know, like I'd like to think at this age I might have perceived a similar thing, but certainly at age 22 I wouldn't have thought it likely. Yes, so I've asked that question a lot of time. And I've kind of tried to work out those reasons for myself. Um, lucky, I guess I would say. Or, um, but actually talking with you and, and um, some of um, Taya and Adrian and Robin on Friday, as they asked some pointed questions about my motivations and, and my story, I almost came to realize why. And, and um, Taya asked a little bit about my family and, and my oldest daughter is a full-time ballet dancer and she's been doing it from the age of three. And 
why on earth would um, what would motivate her to do that? And really, her, the motivation was my mom. And so I got told my my story, and suddenly I realized. I think it was a penny drop for me. Is I've actually come from a very broken family, um, and I saw broken family. Right. Um, and I think I, in that big church. Yeah. Um, so and, you saw it for what it was because you were familiar with what. And I, it is. I wouldn't even. It was an intuitive thing or a um, subconscious thing in the sense that I didn't couldn't vocalize it until. Friday. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm now right. 45. This is yeah, now 20 you, years later. You're welcome. We'll send you the invoice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't God good? It's, it's yeah. like he, you know, um, it's taken me 20 years to actually. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. Because I know what broken family's like, um, and I just saw broken family. Well, that's what I. That's an incredible perception to have, even with that history and foundation. I was, yeah. Yeah. So in Ron, I saw whole family. Did, sorry, did you seek Ron out in that in that time frame, or he found you, or no, you were joined I, I, in some I, other? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, started to do. Um, I finished my BCom bachelor's degree, finished Bible school via correspondence. Needed some work. Was part time employed by the church, so I made myself available to the school to do this sport because I had a, I played interstate squash and oh, I had okay. anniversary for soccer. So I, I had some um, runs on the boards if you like on the sports world. So they needed some help with their sport. Oh, so I did okay. that, and so then Ron they actually had a school me, attached to the school. And, and Ron was their partial oversight. Oh, okay. Because uh, Ron is very instrumental in bringing Christian education into South Africa. So th they viewed him as their pastoral oversight. So I came to work in the school, and then they asked me to do some... I suddenly started teaching high school classes. Um, yes, I taught actually high school for three years on that kind of basis, and through that period I got to know Ron, and just, a friendship developed. Just I'm, you know, just realised that I'm glad that you and I have never played squash with each other, because I reckon I'd get myself a whooping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, it was a while ago. And you know, our listeners are familiar with the fact that I do play squash. But there's many examples from it, which bores them to tears. But I find it fascinating. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was the perception, you know, knowing what it's like to be in broken family, to to recognise actually we're in a we're a church mm. family mm. that's meant to be family that's actually not functioning mm. the way mm. it should be, and you recognised more clearly what mm. other people might not have seen in Rob, even though the practice of his church looked boring and dull mm, and not attractive mm, and mm. so on from yeah. the outside to someone who's success driven that's the thing you know okay, so it's okay. a perception we had of them or yeah. all small churches for that matter the internal markers if you like about what is successful wow. in church wow absolutely yeah. so okay. like i said we were on the abc story attendance um buildings and cash flow yeah and ron didn't care about those things yeah. he cared about the quality of so we would say, love, you know? what, what is wrong with you, brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to jump back to something you mentioned in the previous okay. episode. Um, unless, is there yeah. anything more no, you want no, to say no, on no, that? No, no, no. Yeah, you go for it. Um, jump back to uh, the process of what happened then when you got, uh, you moved from the church plant after, okay, sorry, let's let's try and do this a bit more systematically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you spent your time with Raymer, then you had that moment of recognising mm -hmm. the broken family, if you mm -hmm. like, seeing Ron Robertson working in the school, um, and then there was this church that you mm. were in leadership of that mm. eventually not disbanded is not the right term at all mm. um reconfigured Trans yeah, yeah reconfigured yeah good and work, and, yeah. and uh how did that come to be and then what happened after that there, there's a so, there's an so hour if, conversation if I, yeah wow yeah so so during this 10-week period <clears throat> with a lot of soul searching two things happened the spirit of repentance where we realized our own selfishness our own vested interests in a system that we were now slave to Right, a okay. pastoral system, a top-down hierarchical system. It wasn't. That was set up to burn people out. You weren't leading it. It was ruling it, you. Yeah, we were slave to it. I was the puppet at the top, 
so wanting to bring in Tony's values of all and Ron's values of all family community mission, but it's been totally um, stopped, stopped like a um, what's the right word strangled by me. Yes, because I'm the focal point all the time. Yeah, okay. so they love so my teaching. Leading leader centric or pastor centric. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All filtered through me. Um, no one else can really think for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so as long as the thing's successful, everyone just buys in and shuts up and doesn't think and just, yeah. the pastor must be right. So, yes, it's a typical thing. I'll, you know, Moses will get it and I'll get it from Moses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, through this 10-week period, we realized that. So, the system's flawed. Yeah. Um, so, a deep scrutiny of the scriptures to see what it means to be. Because remember, the verse that spoke to us was from 2 Corinthians 11 that spoke about the simplicity yeah. So for us, simple church isn't a term. It's actually, we want to recover a simplicity yeah. in Christ and our relationships and our mission to the world. So, so I don't, I just, I'll just interject. I don't want to kind of mm-hmm. put you on the spot, but do you remember which verse within yes, 1 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 2 and 3. 2, 2 and Corinthians and 3. Okay. 11, yeah. verse 2 and 3. Yeah. Um, and so it speaks about um, you've lost the simplicity in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we had lost that yeah. because of our, the way we did church. Yeah. Um, so... So we were prepared to throw out everything, mm-hmm. and we would have thrown out more than we should have, because you can throw the baby out of the bathwater. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would have thrown out far more out of reaction had Tony not been there. So I'm such a believer in in outside perspective, almost safeguarding us from oh, ourselves. Absolutely, because yeah. because you get passionate about something and you you're stupid in those moments of passion, obsession. I'm just going to flick to half an hour ago when you and I were talking in the car. You said something about humility and. Um, Humility being more suspicious of ourselves. Than yeah, Jonathan Edwards said, "The hum- truly humble man is the man who's more suspicious of his own, of him own, of his own self than yeah. anything else." Yeah, and so with that in yeah. knowledge, you would invite in wisdom. You would invite in someone oh, can speak absolutely. into our blind spots, uh, and that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything he says. We're not looking for your permission. <coughs> yeah, but boy, we need his perspective. Yeah, and because of the relationship, yeah, I that's had, like, yeah. Um, perspective, not permission. Yeah, so he yeah. never, and that's Tony. He'd never tell us what to do. Yeah. And if we took it like that, he'd say, hang on, you're not thinking about this. Yeah. So I can give you my perspective, but I'm not giving you permission. You're not seeking permission from me. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, we were able to piece through what this new thing could look like, even though we were encouraged not to try and map it out, but yeah. to, take, to go on the journey to move with the Spirit. But obviously there's values. You know, It doesn't just happen. So there's values that you are trying to apply, yeah. and that, that application must have life because not only... Must it make sense for me? And mm-hmm. I've got to explain this to my children. Yeah. Why are we Why are we not doing this? Yeah. Well, we think this, and we trust in the Holy Spirit in this. Now, I've got to lead 300 others. I have a responsibility to them to not be their shepherd, because mm-hmm. there's only one shepherd, but a responsibility to say, this is what we're tracking, this is what we're feeling, this is how we think it may work out. Probably going to end up different than every time it was, yeah. but let's venture out here together. Because... Yeah, I believe that's responsible friendship. I, I wouldn't just um, drop you in the middle of the desert and say good luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting within that, though. You know, most people would see the glossy side of what you're saying, but mm-hmm. the truth is you still have to make some hard calls and you have to be intentional. You still have to put things in place in order to move to the yeah, new practice yeah. of the values that you're seeking to um, yeah. establish, yeah? I, I, I think so. You know, it's easy to say just follow the Holy Spirit. And if I'm an individual person without a family to care for and without people who I'm now taking down a journey yeah um, it's easy for me just yeah. to live out a shoebox and, but but I've got six other people on pastoral staff who are now making a crazy decision to seek yeah. secular employment after all they've done yeah. to get into 
pastoral employment. You know, yeah. who, who went? For, who went first? Who? Who? I, I went first. I, right. I, not, not be, I wanted to, and it worked out that way. Um, <laughs> it's, I, like, like, there's a, it's like I picture you guys standing in a plane at thirty thousand feet, going, <laughs> "Okay, Craig, you're up, you're, you're up, mate." <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a parachute too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really was like, and and that's what uh, I don't want to paint a glossy picture because it was terrifying. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, our life went on. I'm, uh, I've just married a young couple, and they're on positive stop, and I'm, they're expecting a baby, and I'm telling them to look for work. Um, we kind of gave ourselves a goal of one year, and Lord and I were able to do that because of some of our connections. But some took three years, and and we walked with them through. It was okay. not like if by one year you ever made it. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Of course not. We we're in this together, and um, so. There was an internal revolution of the way we saw things, mm-hmm. where we f- fundamentally understood we're going through a mega shift here. This is not. It's a paradigm a few, shift. That's it. And my favorite, um, my favorite saying that comes from the back of uh, a book that Adrian Wilkie read, um, Detox something or other, De- Charity Detox, is is just a review on the book. It says the sound you hear is a paradigm shifting without a clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not yeah. smooth. It's yeah. not easy. Uh, it's not ideal and dreamy. Absolutely. It is. It, it, you're risking all. Yeah. Um, everything actually looks like it's going backwards. Yeah. Um, you're questioning yourself all the time. Yeah. You, you, you tempted to go back to default so quickly because Egypt always now suddenly looks better when you on the yeah. way to the promised land and, yeah. you, and you have the hardship. All the time God's raining man on you, yeah. but you forget that. Yeah. And you're saying you're like, still vulnerable. it's so much easier to go back. Yeah. And so you know, there's definitely a detox involved. And I wish I could have just taken a year out, but I'm in the middle of trying to lead people to somewhere I've never been before. You're just abandoning ship. It's like Moses taking a hike by himself within the wilderness. Yeah. Leaving the guys. Exactly. Just, I just need to catch yeah. my thoughts here. I wish I could have. Yeah. Um, so what we did do under encouragement and advising mm-hmm. is look at some planning mm-hmm. to say, we're going to do this over three years. Okay. Part of the three year process will be kicking Craig and Lawn out. Yeah. We've strongly felt in my own heart, but the leadership um, really came with me on this is that if I stay around it's still a revolve around me yeah because people are still seeing me as the person no matter what you say from the front oh absolutely the interpretation will be the medium because not of the relationships and because yeah. of what they mean to me and I mean to them yeah. I feel overly responsible and they feel overly indebted so yeah. it becomes a very it can be a toxic relationship so um, after a year we drove out of Queenstown back to Joburg with some ideas not much wow um Almost crying every K we drove, thinking, what have I done to those people? What have I done to those people? Have I abandoned them? Wow. Um, we, we got a lot of um, real hard criticism from churches. Uh, I got a letter from a pastor that was a friend of mine saying, you're, going, you're taking your flock to hell. I mean, they're kind of strong. And now I've got this in my conscience. I'm thinking, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What? And anyone that knows you, Craig, you know, you're, not, you're not bullish. You're not oh. kind of trying to take power or power oh. on people. You know, it's, it's a fairly hard... Uh, criticism yeah. to, to swallow for oh absolutely um, or anyone uh, Craig if I didn't have spiritual father in my life um, yeah I don't think I would have made it honestly yeah right I would have wilted gone back or just I don't know what I would have done but that's the value of I'm not doing this alone yeah I'm not trying to prove anything I'm just trying to follow God yeah and I think that's when, when we got back to Joburg Johannesburg from Queenstown you know we committed to whatever we were doing mm-hmm. and the next year we'd come back four times every quarter we'd come back okay there was Just, connection. Of course, yep. we, we're in this together. We're not, we're not abandoning you. And yep. when we come back, we're not doing all the preaching. It's not like we're coming back just to listen with you. We're coming to just say, Father, are you taking us through the next step? Like I said, we left capable people there. These are capable people that this brought out the best out of them because suddenly they felt they carried their 
burden of this ministry and what God is doing together. It wasn't, what did Craig say? Right. No, it was, what is God saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so those are some of the sweetest ministry trips that I've ever done. To go back mm. um, for a week at a time, um, just to live with people that we love and just to see what God is doing, the good and the bad, because it wasn't all success, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had about 10% of the church, because everyone signed up. They all, by the, this, after this 10 weeks, everyone was like, we're in this. I think one couple may have moved on, which wow. is, I mean, and like I said, it was not all because it's got, some people are just curious. But yeah, yeah, in yeah, the next yeah, year, yeah. about 10% of people said, no, we actually, um, but it's a small percentage. Yeah. Because of the strong group that was there, the leadership group was a strong group. Thank, thankfully, you hadn't written a book about this because it's it's you know for for the vast majority of bigger church situations, it's it's a, an exception, not the rule. Yeah, that's In, true. Yeah. Um, look, I've heard of other stories, so it's it. Um, but I've oh, I'm been saying that to encourage listeners no, no, who absolutely. find themselves. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. Um, absolutely. Um, it was God did it yeah. um, without question, and we were lucky enough to be part of it, and and I think um, had the right ingredients. If I can say that, yeah. I people speaking to us, um, a good team who were listening to God, no agendas um, that would would um, abort the thing and, and take it their way. Um, yeah, so we really, we thought we were part of something God did fresh. What I do want to do, and we'll probably tra- transfer this across to the next episode, is just touch on what evolved then for you as far as um, your life and resourcing mm. in that life how you then ended up in Australia and then just merging into some thoughts, at least beginning some thoughts on um, what you've learned and your convictions now on, you know, being missional communities Mm. or, Mm, and and being so missionally in the world. Thanks again, Craig. Um, Really uh, invigorating story that uh, has many aspects that encourages me. Thanks, mate.